In the beginning, there was darkness. Then, there was Paul Brown. Paul Brown transformed the game. Hello, Paul Brown here. Cleveland. I'm here with my co-host Jack. Jack, how are you? I'm good. It's good to be out and about. We're obviously stood here next to the Thames doing our live show. You will hear a nice violin playing in the background. We asked him to uh, be quiet, but he said he's a fan of the pod and he wanted to do exclusive music. So, it's what it is, mate. So yeah, just give you a little demo. We're here, the shard behind. Uh, London Bridge is over there. And we're keeping things fresh. Once a month, a live podcast, live from London. So... Jack, it's the Paul and Jack show. What's been going on this week? Well, I want to hear about your week. It's been an interesting week. It's been a, a chap you guys might have heard of who's been around. So, uh, go on, Paul. Yeah, so uh, I've had uh, a couple of nights out with uh, Zane. And uh, obviously, I shouldn't be kissing and telling, so I don't think I'm going to be. But is there any questions you want to ask me about um, meeting up with Zane? How was he? Yeah, he's a really, really sound guy. Um, I think everyone knows he was injured. Uh, when he took them last uh, field goals against the uh, Saints. Um, I think it was the special teams coach that put him through and didn't say anything to ejection. But otherwise, yeah, he's moved on now. He's at Arizona. Uh, got a two-year deal, uh, two-year kicking contract deal with uh, Arizona uh, to replace uh, Mr. Uh, Dawson. I, I think everyone knows, all Browns fans knows, Amos, special teams coach, weren't great. Hugh weren't great, so can't blame Zane. Uh, wish him the best of luck. Just the, the one question on Zane is, why was he over it? Yeah, so he's on his way to Rome, and he thought he's never been to see Chelsea uh, soccer, so I offered him some tickets, so he stopped off. And uh, yeah, it was great. We had uh, uh, one night out, ended up in a club, which I can't discuss, but it was good fun for all four of us. And what else can I say? Uh, yeah, maybe one time when you're out drinking in uh, Cleveland, if you bump into Paul, ask Paul for some stories. He doesn't kiss and tell, but I'm sure if you you buy him a couple of beers, he might be able to tell you a cheeky story. So, uh, guys, ever see Paul in Cleveland or anywhere else in the world because he gets around, have a beer with Paul and ask for a couple of stories. Excellent. What's next on the list? Next on the list is Football Outsiders this week. Oh, so this is a congratulations for Jack. So- Jack. Tell us a bit more about this article. So basically, I was sat there in the off-season and I'd moaned on Twitter regularly that when a ball is kicked into the end zone, why on earth are teams from the kickoffs ever trying to return them? Because it just looked like a complete waste of time. But I thought, what's the actual numbers say? Because I might think this, but where, where's the evidence for this? So I looked everywhere and obviously you can take the knee, go to 25-yard line, which for me, I would always do. So I couldn't find it. And I thought, right, if I can't find it, I better go do it myself. So I basically took every kick from the 2018 season that went into the end zone and looked at every single return. Sorry, just pause one second. So you watched every bit of footage or was it the data out there? No, so I went to NFL.com and went through all their game-by-game data. So I went through all the play-by-play data to look at all the kickoffs. So I didn't watch every game, but I did use I did go through the play-by-play data for every single game in the regular season. And so I 
minimum success line is you've got to get to the 26 yard line because since you can take a knee you can get to the 25 yard so here's the question how many teams how many times what was a percentage did people get to the 26 yard line i should have read your article really, haven't i 28 <laughs> percent 29 percent so uh he has read it at least once so uh, he just hasn't read it recently so just some other numbers, but uh, if you go to Football Outside, if you go to my Twitter, it's all there, um, the article, but just the headline numbers. Um, there was three turnovers and one touchdown, so that shows the danger there. Um, there was only four plays out of 251 um, that flipped the field and got to the other side of the 50-yard line. So that's not a lot of success there. It was 2% of the time that happened. Um, and the Browns, only once in our eight attempts, did we make the 26 yard line? And our eight attempts were Jabril Peppers, 20 yard line, 25 yard line, 12 yard line, Hilliard, 22 yard line, 25 yard line, 28 yard line, Callaway, 23 yard line, 20 yard line. So hopefully the Browns have read this article. Someone's printed it out, put it on the desk of our new special teams uh, coordinator, and we do not see a single return like that in the 2019 season. If that was what happens, the article will have been a success. Do you think Paul Podesta has read the article? I hope so. There's obviously quite a few links between Football Outsiders and uh, the Browns. So the guy that uh, for Football Outsiders wrote QBase, uh, which was a formula based on why you should take certain quarterbacks and not others, which said Baker Mayfield's number one and had lots of other things rated really well. Sasha Brown hired him back in the day. So in, between the analytics department, there's a lot of love for work football outsiders do. Greg Williams obviously spoke about DVOA, which is a football outsider stat. So um, I, I think there's probably someone in the building that's read it. I, I, the Browns analytics department's really good, so I'm sure they've probably done some different research and more detailed research that they already know. But fingers crossed the teams will pay attention and get it done. So fingers crossed, if I make a little bit of a difference, it's good for everyone. Well. Jack, it's not the uh, Jack Duffin show. Let's move on swiftly. <laughs> so, next thing on. Actually, uh, Jack, I'm just going to pause. I'm going to let our viewers watch the Cafe Del Mar style sunset. If we come from this side, they can experience the sunset with us. So, just flipping around, and obviously, those that are listening to the podcast, go to Paul's Twitter. It's at PaulBrown underscore UK, and you'll be able to watch that sunset uh, while we're talking. All on it is uh, Instagram, which is also a good place to check out Paul. I do all the facts and nerdy stuff, so follow me on Twitter for that. It's at Jack Duffin. Um, but no, so next thing on the list is Callaway's charge was dropped for marijuana. He was still given a speeding ticket, but it's good news. Um, so fingers crossed, he behaves, and there's some, uh, some forward progress there. But let's not dwell on the negatives. Is he totally in the clear now? So all's done is done. I think there was a speeding ticket, so I don't quite know how it works. I'm guessing it's points and a fine in the US, but the marijuana stuff was cleared, um, so fingers crossed, we're on some progress. Excellent. And we just signed a new uh, wide receiver this week. So Jalen Strong signed, not expecting much from him, it's third round pick in the past by the Texans, he's been at the Jags as well, in his career in the NFL, 31 catches, 330 yards, 40 TDs, so I'm, I'm not expecting wonders. At the end of the day, there's no harm in signing a player like that, we'll see if he does anything in camp, and if he doesn't, that's fine. We move on. It yeah. adds to the competition. Guess who used to play with at college? Zane. Oh, mate, good knowledge. <laughs> it's a lucky guess. I thought he might have uh, said something when you were with him this week. Yeah, if I'm correct, he was a projected first or second round. 
Uh, I think he went third round. Um, big, big target. Not the fastest, not the most nimble. So, um, but he's strong. But he's very strong. So, let's see, eh? But uh, had some injuries, and at the end of the day, I like these moves. I applauded the Robinson pick. I applauded the Perryman pick. Pick up. Go grab players like this because at the end of the day, especially in the off season where you can have 90 players, in all honesty, there's probably less than 70 that they actually think can ever make the roster. 20 of them are just there to make up the numbers and be an arm in camp, do a piece in camp. So let's go out there and hope that one of these signings that you just take a spot and if they can force their way on as a sick wide receiver, then fantastic. So there's no harm in this sort of deal. Yeah, um, any news on Greg Robinson, by the way? So, on Greg Robinson, there seems to be more of a consensus growing that he is going to sign a multi-year deal before the 13th of March. No real terms on what that deal is. I still think he is going to um, get a deal around £8 million. And the reason why I say £8 million is because Hubbard's on 7.3. So, even though Hubbard played slightly better than Greg Robinson this year, um, it was uh, a small difference in PFF grade. I think we're talking 51, uh, 50 for Greg Robin, um, for Hubbard, and I think it was 63 for um, Greg Robinson. So we're talking in that sort of, they're both not great and we need to upgrade them. Um, so ideally, if it wouldn't have been for Chris Hubbard, I think five to six million, you get that deal done. I just think the way that there's an irrational feeling in the NFL that left tackles are more important than right, which is just nonsense. All the data says it's not true. Even Bob Wiley did an interview talking about it after he'd been at a lecture by PFF. So um, I, I think he gets that more money, but if it's five, six million, sign it all day long. If it's going to go over eight million, move on, draft someone else. Interesting. Um, do you want to embrace the moment a minute, Jack? Look at that. I'm not. There, there's listeners that are not going to have a clue what you're on about. So oh. you, you can't just be here all for the video views, Paul. Okay. Um, so next one, Frank Clark. I've seen quite a few articles this week. I don't know if you've been seeing the same. Mate, you're going to have to educate me about this guy. I don't know a lot yeah. about him. It's been everywhere that Frank Clark is going to be a free agent. The Seahawks aren't going to re-sign him. And uh, Cleveland could be where he's going. D-line, right? D-line, defensive end. Um, just some PFF numbers. You've got Flowers, sixth best uh, DN this year. Garrett, twelfth best. Oh, edge defender. So they don't do DNs. It's just edge defenders because hey, there's no real difference between a uh, outside linebacker that's in a three-four and a uh, four-three D end. They're all edges at the end of the day. Clark was 18th, so slightly worse, but there's been some good numbers. So over the cap, are predicting. Clark's going to be looking at an 87.5 million pound deal over five years, and Flowers, 80 million over five years, um, with three more, three million more guaranteed for Clark. So very little difference between the two, even though Flowers played better this year. The reason why I think Clark's really liked, and here's just some numbers from PFF: consistency. Every game this season, he got two pressures a game, and Flowers hasn't quite as managed as many sacks as. Um, Clark this season and the last couple of years, but the, the key thing is to remember, ignore sacks as a measure for if a player's good or not, because sacks change every year. Um, they're not a consistent stat, whereas pressures is a very consistent stat. So from one year to the next, the amount of pressures a player gets stays very similar according to PFF. So pay the people that get more pressures rather than the sacks, because if you see someone gets 15 sacks and go, we're going to sign him, he's going to be great, 
you might find out he gets five sacks next year because the pressure numbers weren't the same. So both players are good. Um, the only one negative you've got on um, Clark is there's some domestic violence stuff in the background. Obviously won't turn Dorsey off, just not a fan of that. Um, went to uh, high school in Cleveland, went to Michigan University, got kicked out for domestic violence. Had been completely clean-wise in the NFL the last four years, but did have some stupid argument on Twitter that made him look like an idiot. Um, Sounds like a, me and you. <laughs> with a Bleacher Report journalist, but um, just having a go at her. But it's one of them things that, yeah, personally, I'm not a fan of him, wouldn't have him on my team, but this is John Dorsey we're talking about. I always take flowers over Clark, but in all honesty, production levels are similar. So if I can get either them for 45 to 50 million three-year deal, I wouldn't mind that. But uh, he might not hit free agency. It's just a name that is being linked to the Browns quite often. Awesome. Any other big names being linked at the moment? Uh, I haven't really seen any on a consistent basis. You've seen Sue in quite a few places. The only way I see uh, Dominican Sue on a one-year deal making sense is if you're going to go get Jeffrey Simmons. If you get Jeffrey Simmons and he's going to miss a year, then there's no reason, um, even though I wouldn't do it, to go out there and you pay Sue for one year. Go, right, Sue, we're going to pay you $15 million one year. It might be, say, 12.5, and then bonuses can take him up to 15 or however you structure the deal but you just bring him in for one year. And that one year is because Jeffrey Simmons, say if he misses the first 10 games before he's fully go, um, then it just gives you that cover that you can still be competing this year and trying to get that championship. Awesome, who's your uh, draft pick at number 17 this week? So my prediction at 17, I'm gonna be a bit, a bit, a bit greedy here. Um, I can't decide which cornerback I want. So I'm going to say Greedy Williams, but I'm also going to leave Byron Murphy in the background because it might be one of the two. But I've been feeling more cornerback this week. So uh, I've, I've had a, uh, a lust for a cornerback. What about you? Uh, more to the point, mate. Once again, you're copying me. I went with uh, Greedy last week. No, that's just being greedy, mate. Thinking you own Greedy Williams rather than uh, sharing the wealth. Uh, I'm going to go with... I'm going to go with your strategy that we're going to get flowers and we're going to go with a, a defensive tackle, uh, Dexter Lawrence at 17. Huh? But I, I'm, there's three positions that I would like to get in the first round. More and more I think about this is cornerback, defensive tackle and defensive end. Jack, question for you is, out of them three positions, which position would you most prefer to have as free agent or priority list of which ones would you prefer to take in free agent? So for me, there's not really any top cornerbacks out there um, in free agency. Ronald Darby is the only one that I've, I've been keen for, but obviously as injury concerns, it would be a bit of a risk. I'm only interested if he's willing to take that cheaper one-year deal. Um, for me, I'd rather go free agency, get me um, flowers, um, get me that. Um, defensive tackle and tight end are then two positions that I feel we can address in rounds two or rounds three where we've got their more picks. There's, uh, there's a lot more depth there. Whereas for me, if I can find a cornerback, if I can find an offensive tackle, if I can find a um, defensive end, I'm going for that in round one because I'm not confident it'll be there later. So are we making a statement, Jack, on the Paul Brown show that two months before the draft, we think we're going to go with a cornerback? I want to go for another cornerback. What I want and what John Dorsey want isn't always the same thing, but there is some, uh, there is some definite sense to taking a cornerback. Um, and if we add another cornerback, I'm all in favour of that because the thing is, and look at the New England Patriots as a perfect example of this, you can scheme up pressure. If you are a good defensive coordinator, you can scheme pressure without blitzing, get them four rushes and drive it, whereas you can't scheme coverage. If 
that uh, quarterback is going to get the ball out of his hands quickly, which lots of quarterback is doing, and it's why Baker Mayfield is very successful, then pass rush doesn't matter. Miles Garrett probably can't do anything against Baker Mayfield in practice because if the ball's out of his hands in two seconds, Miles Garrett ain't going to be there. Um, so for me, get that better coverage, lock down the back of the field. I wouldn't mind having two strong safeties and then three cornerbacks and only one linebacker. Put Joe Schobert in the middle and then put everyone around him. Wouldn't be afraid to do that. But just get me more coverage, get me more players out there because if we can stop the pass, let them run on us all day long. And if they run and they no team's been successful running on a consistent basis, don't look at the average yards per play, look at success rate. How often are you getting four yards or a first down? The numbers aren't good, so let them throw. Let them run and we will tear apart that pass game. I just wanna say, if you're not following me on Facebook, the Paul Brown podcast, you need to come and see this link because I can see oranges, I can see reds, I can see blues, I see greys in the sky. This is one of the most romantic podcasts we've ever done, Jack. I'm looking out there, I've, I think of my boy Freddie Kitchen, and I say, if it ain't orange, I don't care. And the sun is orange today, that means this is a good podcast. It means what we're saying is obviously going to be good. So, uh, no, thank you guys so much for listening. We've had another insane week where listeners are up. Um, you guys are incredible. Um, and thank you just so much for all your support. Excellent. And next week we finish off the position rooms, I believe. Yeah, so it's exciting finishing off the position rooms. We've got some wicked guests coming. We've got a special guest that has confirmed, and this is all down to Paul. Paul has been doing some stellar work. We're not going to name who it is, but we've got a very, very, very special guest who's agreed to come on and do monthly shows. And he is such a big name. Oh, yeah, cool. That was good, yeah. But I've also got someone else in mind as well. Oh, even more. Oh, but no, I'm this working might on... be an exclusive for me because Paul don't tell me everything. Um, but yeah, uh, until it's recorded, I won't say anything. But yeah, we've got some uh, more great guests. We've got some outfield guests, some guests that are linked to the Browns, but a little bit different. So uh, yeah, once again, trying to mix things up. And uh, yeah, just looking forward to uh, Combine a couple of weeks' time. Gonna spend a bit more time next week looking at some of the uh, names and then start going on to the draft. So, got lots of things to look forward to. Please keep su- subscribing. Uh, I want to say a big shout out to my mate uh, Matthew Dixon, obviously fighting cancer. I posted a video yesterday. Uh, if you go and follow him, give him some encouragement, give him some words of support. Plane going over in tribute for Matthew, that cost a few thousand. Matthew, just for you, mate. And um, yeah, hopefully you enjoyed the vlog this week. I've got another vlog next week. Once again, just trying to mix things up a little bit, making things a little bit different, creating unique content. Myself and Jack getting articles out there. And uh, yeah, thank you very much for listening. Yeah, I've got some nice Browns cap articles on the way. We're just finding somewhere to run them. So hopefully we'll get that sorted out in the next couple of weeks. A really good one on Kareem Hunt and why that's probably actually might be a three-year deal on just over three million which uh, will be interesting for Browns fans to note that don't don't look at it as a one year, one year, a one year, one million deal. There is much more to it than that. Also, there's another one on Baker Mayfield and Miles Garrett and what the future might hold once they become veterans. Um, so there, there's some scary stuff in that one. But um, the analytics shows, I know a couple of you, not many, uh, according to Paul, have contacted us when they're <laughs> coming back. Um, but they will be back after the draft. So once we finish the draft, I've got a list of about 10, 20 people that I'd love to get on to chat in analytics. So we're going to look at different things from running backs to defensive formations, loads of really exciting stuff. So that is in the pipeline. So after the draft, I'll be hitting you with loads of that awesome stuff. And if you're wondering why me and Jack have meet up today to do this, it's because we've got a big night ahead of us. So Jack, 
that's the podcast done. Let's go and have some fun. Cheers, buddy.